This is the Lady Landlords Podcast, and I am your host, Becky Nova. This podcast is for women looking to achieve financial independence through real estate investing. Let's get this episode going. Welcome back to today's episode of the Lady Landlords Podcast, where we deep dive into insurance and the needs that you have for your properties. Today, we have joining us Rob Bowen from the Patriotic Insurance Group. Rob, thank you very much for joining me today. How are you this morning? I'm wonderful, Becky. How are you doing? Thank you for having me. Good, good. Um, first thing I like to start with is I like to make sure that we realize that everybody that comes to the show is is human. Can you tell us a little bit about you personally? Yeah, and, and you're right. I think that is important. We, we are all human right now. So um, I, uh, I spent eight years in the military, got out in 95, spent about 13 years down on Wall Street, working at Bank of New York, working at Standard & Poor's. Uh, decided that that really wasn't something I wanted to continue to do. It was a long commute and a lot of other issues. So I came back, back near home, bounced around to a couple of different mm-hmm. companies, had always been around insurance, but never retail side of it. And seven years ago, I opened my insurance agency. So that's just now, a what high made level you, quick. What made you end up in insurance? I mean, there's other places that you could have went. What kind of drew you to this field? Um, you know, I had been around insurance. I had rated insurance companies. I had sold data to them. You know, I love the business. I love what it did. Um, and honestly, without insurance, most businesses wouldn't be able to run. Um, <laughs> you really just can't take that much risk, you know, as an individual or as a company. So I, I liked the way it worked. I liked the fact I could help people. Um, and I also mm-hmm. realized that most people in insurance, and I was one of them, had no idea what their policies did, how they worked. Um, so I kind of, I guess, went on a mission to just try to educate people. Um, and explain how this policy works, give some scenarios, explain the coverages. Um, and really it's about the end of the day, it's about someone making a decision of what they want to insure and what they want to insure. So that becomes the educational aspect of insurance. And that's actually one of the things that really drew me to you as a person is I really like how you approach, approach insurance from that educational standpoint. I feel like there's a lot of ways that people just kind of get thrown papers in their face, especially when we're buying properties. And it's just, okay, sign this, sign this, sign this. And then, um, you know, our, us as investors are sitting there saying, okay, but what am I, what does this actually mean? Is this enough coverage? Is this too much coverage? Is this too little coverage? So those are the things that I'm really kind of hoping to, to kind of get through with you today. Now, when we talk about insurance, there are clearly hundreds of different types of insurance. What are the most important types of insurance that a real estate investor should be looking for? Um, I always preach liability. You know, unfortunately, in a lot of the uh, home buying, uh, real estate investment buying process, it's being driven by uh, the people with the money, whether that's the mortgage people, the hard money people, your investors, and they want to protect that mortgage. Well, that mortgage is protected by physical damage coverage, you know, coverage on the building and how much is the building worth and all of that. That's not mm-hmm. your biggest risk, honestly. So if, you know, if God forbid you have a claim, <clears throat> you have a fire, well, th- that's, that's an easy one. The hard one is mm-hmm. the liability. And liability is how you go bankrupt. Um, ask any business <laughs> owner, you know, because if you get sued, 
you need you need a pile of money to hire attorneys and to fight the lawsuit and to for settlement and court costs. There's a lot of costs and you know, in any state, and New York's a great example, it's very expensive to do that. It's not cheap. I mean, attorneys can be 500 bucks an hour. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I preach liability. So, and liability you need on anything. So it doesn't really matter whether you're flipping, whether you're a landlord, whether you're commercial, it doesn't make any difference. It's all, the, there's different types of liability within different policies, but I always mm-hmm. lead with liability and I have my, my minimums. I mean, I will say, you want to go below this, I, you need to go somewhere else because I just don't think you're, you're making the right decision and I don't want to be part of that when there's a claim. So I, I preach the liability and make sure people understand what that really means. Okay, so for a real estate investor, the first policy that we should be asking for is a liability policy. Is that correct? Yeah, they, the, the, it, the liability will be a part of the overall policy itself. But what I do is I try to lead with liability. So I explain, okay, here's how I'm going to protect you from going bankrupt. Um, And I actually take it, I actually go a step back. So what I try to explain is, okay, first let's talk legal entity. Let's talk LLCs in your personal name. And I have very strong views on that. Now I'm not an attorney. I'm not an accountant. So I always say, go to an attorney, go to an accountant because I ensure... which is, is smart because, but they need to do something because yes. I, ins- I ensure a nine digit tax ID. That's all I do. If you look mm-hmm. at basics. So I would rather ensure Becky's LLC than Becky. Because now I've you separated. You would rather ensure Becky's LLC rather yes. than Becky. Yeah. Okay. Because if, if, if it's under your name and we have a big lawsuit, your personal assets, you and your husband's personal assets are on the hook and you don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Right. You want to separate. No. I'm actually, I'm really happy that you brought this up. So this is definitely a very popular topic among real estate investors on if you should have an LLC or if insurance or an umbrella policy is enough. So what I feel like I'm hearing you say here is that, once again, talk to your attorneys and accountants. But what I hear you saying is that it is important to have that LLC and then insure the LLC. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. And and there's a couple ways to do it. I have some investors that have one LLC for every property. Um, I have okay. investors that have one LLC and have multiple properties under it, but usually after about the second property, I'm starting to talk about mm-hmm. an umbrella. Now you have to remember an umbrella has to, un, the underlying policies have to be the same legal entity. So if you have eight LLCs, you can't have one umbrella across all those. So, you know, you, we have to make a choice. So what I try to do is start with a, a beginning investor and say, okay, what's kind of your thought process? What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. And then we just pile on liability, <clears throat> whether it's under HLLC or whether there's an umbrella on top of it. There's no right or wrong way to do it. You just have to do it one mm-hmm. way or the other. <laughs> gotcha. That makes sense. But no, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. I feel like that's a very big debate within real estate investing. Is an LLC really the best way to go or if an umbrella policy is, is enough? And that was actually my understanding and what I always share is that LLCs are important. Um, personally, I go with the strategy of a different LLC for every property that I do. Um, for anybody that's listening to this episode, we have a whole episode about LLCs themselves. So feel free to go back and look through wherever it is that you watch or listen to podcasts. And you can also listen to our episode about LLCs as well there. So that's, I'm happy you said that. I'm happy that we're on the same kind of page for, for what that should look like. So when someone calls you, and says, hey, I'm buying a property, I'm buying my ne- a rental property. What are the types of policies? What are the names of the policies that they will need? Okay, I'm glad you brought that up too, because here's, 
I, I want your your listeners to kind of understand where the first issue lies. A, mm-hmm. a real estate investor typically calls an insurance company and says, "Hey, I'm I'm buying I'm buying a a home." They use the word mm-hmm. home, right? So the the agent says homeowners policy, and many yeah. agents will do that. No disrespect to other agents, they they just don't insure real estate investors. So when people mm-hmm. call in, now I know if they're referred in that they're real estate investors, so it's clear what I need to do. But everyone that calls in, we're like, "Wonderful, you're buying a home. Are you going to live there?" <laughs> Are you going to flip it? Are you going to rent it? Are you what? What? And I want to know the glide path of that property. Okay, insurance companies mm-hmm. want to know what you know. You're buying it tomorrow, and what is it going to be in three years? Okay, so now mm-hmm. I can talk about. Oh, you're going to be a landlord. You're going to you're going to fix it up, and then you're going to become a landlord. So as you're fixing it up, we we would put a what's called a vacant property because there's no one there. If you're doing mm-hmm. structural work, we would bring in a builder's risk. So anytime you do mess with the roof, you're, you're removing structural walls, anything like that, where there's more construction. I mean, if you need to talk to an engineer and an, ar- an engineer and architect, you need a builder's risk. It's that simple. Gotcha. So that's actually a really good kind of rule of thumb. If you're talking to an engineer, then that's the type of policy that you're going to have to make sure to, to have in place. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Yep. And so, and we so we would insure it either the vacant builder's risk, and then depending on what you do, if you sell it, obviously the policy cancels. If you're mm-hmm. going to become a landlord, back to your point about LLCs, I believe, in my personal opinion, a landlord, if you're going to have multiple properties, you should have an LLC for each property, for two reasons. Number one, it makes mm-hmm. it cleaner for the insurance, but number two, it makes it cleaner for your accounting. Mm-hmm. Right? You want to have a checking account for each it LLC. Also makes it cleaner for your for your attorney. <laughs> Yeah, and clean up your attorney. If you end up in that boat. <laughs> yeah, because because now you're mixing funds and you got rent rolls coming in and and it just I just don't think it's it's really smart. And so what I would do is I would insure it as a landlord. I like um, mm-hmm. like I said I I won't write anything below a million of liability, but for landlords I like two million because there's more risk. Okay. You're not there. Mm-hmm. More stuff can happen, and any no matter what your tenant does, even if they're a hundred percent at fault, you're still getting sued. Right. I mean, because you own now the is that still if you are so now let's say I I, I call you and I say I, I'm purchasing a home, I need a policy. And you say, Well, are you living there? And I say, No, it's just for rentals. Is that policy then still called a homeowner's policy? Or would that be a landlord's policy? Is there a different name for that then? It's it's called a landlord's policy. Um you you'll okay. hear the word rental dwelling is the same thing. Um rental so, dwelling policy. Yeah. Okay. So, so a homeowner, a true homeowner, and I, it, this sounds silly, but it works. Um, is your toothbrush there? That's the question, <laughs> right? If, if it's there, then you live there. Now we also can get into, is it a secondary home? Is it a seasonal home? So let's take the real estate mm-hmm. investment piece out. So if I own a home in New York and that's my primary home and I own a home mm-hmm. in South Carolina and that's my secondary home, or mm-hmm. it's a seasonal home, like I only own a, the house in upstate New York to go skiing, for example, and I close it for the summer. So there's mm-hmm. different different areas of homeowners, but for the real estate investment side, it's going to, you know, you you are never going to live there. Let's make that assumption. Okay. So it, it's, you will never, ever have a homeowner's policy because you don't live there. Mm-hmm. And then it's a question of, okay, it's a landlord. And then the bigger question is, okay, once you're once you go above four doors, four units, it mm-hmm. has to be it has to be commercial. 
So that changes the whole Anything policy. Anything above four units yes. so, is so, now a commercial. Yeah, below it, I can still do commercial. There are um, hard money requirements out there where I need to have commercial liability and I need to have some commercial okay. um, policies, which is fine. You can insure a, a single family home commercially. It is more expensive. Okay. There is more coverage. There is more liability coverage. There's the the way the forms are written. It's 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 probably a little bit better, but you know it could be another forty percent. So if and you the premiums could be another forty percent if it's yeah. a commercial policy. Exactly. So if exactly. I'm using a hard money lender, so not just if I have more units in my actual complex, but if I'm using a hard money lender, which is another topic that we've talked about here on the podcast, if I'm using a hard money lender, that would then end up being a commercial policy off the bat. It it could be every hard the, the problem okay. with the problem with hard money like banks are pretty consistent because mm -hmm. they're controlled by the Fed, right? They have yeah. their requ insurance requirements. Hard money guys mm -hmm. can just make it up. And they and they gotcha. do. So what I always what I, the first thing that uh, is it's a great topic, Becky. But the first thing any investor should do when they're asking for an insurance policy, I'm going to come back right mm -hmm. away and say, send me the insurance requirements, because here's the okay. problem. Here's the problem is I could insure it, right? I can insure it personally. Mm -hmm. I could have million liability. The policy I'm making a number up. The policy is twelve hundred dollars, and the all of a sudden you say bind it i bind it i send the binder to the hard money guy i send the paid in full receipt and they're like oh no no we need commercial liability we need this we need and now i've done a bait and switch on you that's my opinion so i've gone from 1200 to 1800 yeah. you're a captive audience at this point right you just want to close so you're not going to question the yeah. price but i'd rather get it up front so what i do is i will send the quote to your hard mm -hmm. money i, I asked for the introduction I send the quote and I okay. call them and say, is this quote acceptable for your requirements? I have your requirements, just making sure. And I get an email back saying, yep, it's all. And I, you, if you're my client, are on that email. So you're just watching this thing. You don't, you of just course. kind of watch it like a tennis match. So now I've gotten approval. <laughs> I know when the closing date is because mm -hmm. the hard money guys love to make you make real estate investors bind two weeks before closing, which is ridiculous. So I'm like, when's the closing date? 23rd. Okay, we're gonna close, we're gonna bind this on the 22nd. Becky and I will bind the 22nd. You've already approved my mm -hmm. quote. Nothing's gonna change. So if they come back on the 23rd and say, Oh, this policy's wrong, I have an email that you've already approved it. Now, most, most agents exactly. don't do that, but most agents don't do that. And that's where we get into trouble. And I get phone calls from the closing table of, hey, we need mm -hmm. this. And I might have to go to a completely different, and I, if it's from, uh, might be builder's risk they want. I've, got to, I've mm -hmm. got to now cancel a policy that you've already paid me in full, write a new one, take another credit card payment. <laughs> and you can imagine, and so now you're out $3,000. Yeah. Now you're gonna get your money back, right? We're gonna flat cancel it, but that could be two weeks down the road. So now I've just pulled three grand out of you and we only have one mm -hmm. policy in force. So it, I, 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 what I've been trying to do is I go back through the process and, and, and I'll drive the hard money guys because most of them don't know insurance. And so I try to say, here's what mm -hmm. I'm doing. Does this make sense? And it works. And I've, I have, I don't know right now, I probably have 20, 25 investors that are coming through me and they love the process because mm -hmm. I take them out of the insurance process. You don't need to be in it. You need to understand it, but you don't need to be in the nuances of mm -hmm. it. So. No, and I, th I think that's important that people kind of need to stay in their lane of expertise, right? So Thank if you. I am an investor <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm saying, okay, Rob, you're my expert for insurance, 
well, then I want you to handle that. I don't want to be playing the middleman trying to translate, you know, insurance talk because that's not that's not what I do. That's not my specialty. And I'd also want to make sure that I have my numbers up front. So I think that's really important. I really like that you kind of ask for those requirements first. So you said for hard money lenders, you usually will ask for that introduction to an investor's hard money lender so you can reach out to them directly. If they're not using hard money, where would a person go for their requirements? Who's the, per- the correct person for me to ask? Or is that something that you as my insurance broker would, would do? That's something I would do. So if, if you have a cash deal, so if you have cash going on, you have no, mm-hmm. other, no, no other investors, there are no insurance requirements. You don't need to insure this thing, right? I mean, you'd be crazy <laughs> not to. Don't need to, but want yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, want to is a whole nother. So I, I tell people all the time, the only people that drive insurance that require it are mortgage companies, right? Because they have the money or hard money guys. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, you, if you pay cash, you, mm-hmm. you, you by law do not need insurance. I mean, I'm going to fight you on it tooth and nail if you try to go down that path. But um, so what I do is I have my I have my requirements in my office, my minimum requirements. And okay. I just say, listen, I'm going to insure it at about one hundred and fifty five to one hundred and seventy five dollars a square foot. We're going to do if we if it's vacant, it's it's I'm not going to dive into actual cash value replacement costs, but maybe another mm-hmm. podcast we can dive down that rabbit hole. Um, but I just have my yeah. certain requirements and then I explain it to people. And what I also try to do um, is I will send a video quote. So I'll screen share and I will okay. you see my little little face down in the bottom right. And so the for a first time investor, the first time I'm meeting someone, I'll spend five minutes on a video quote going line by line. Oh, wow. So they have that for the records and they can go back and look at it or share it with their, you know, whoever, their spouse, their investor, their partner. Um, because that way they have a record of exactly, and they can go back and I've watched people go back mm-hmm. like 20 times to watch these videos. Um, and it just, you know, creates some more questions. That's a great idea. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's, it's an amazing, it's very powerful. Um, and that way they, you know, they, they get to hear my spiel and then they have questions off of it mm-hmm. and they can share it. Um, cause again, my job, I don't price shop. Like I will have. Every once in a while, I get a real estate investor will say, hey, I'm paying $700. Can you beat it? And I'm like, no, I don't. I can. I can certainly give you a crummy policy, but I'll say, I will quote you the way you should be quoted. If you decide this is better mm-hmm. for you, great. But I'm not getting into the game of trying to save someone 50 bucks because I'm not doing the right thing at this point. So I, I will actually push people away and say, you need to go somewhere else. Well, I think that's I think that's the interesting balance about insurance. And I feel like this is something we hear not only for landlord policies, homeowners insurance. I feel like we even hear this when we even talk about like life insurance or um, long term disability insurance. Right. I feel like people are kind of like, do I really need this? Do I really have to spend money on this? Nah, I can just kind of get away with it. I feel like we'll all become teenagers that just think we're invincible when it comes to insurance. (laughs) Yeah. And, oh yeah. And yeah. I, just like, no. I, I think you. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, but and I think you're right because because the way I can save you money is not by giving you a crummy policy. I can just raise mm-hmm. your deductibles. So for example, on a vacant, I write a five thousand mm-hmm. dollar deductible policy. You're never going to file a claim in a vacant while you're fixing and flipping it, ever. The only time you're going to file the claim is if it burns to the ground, right? Because you have a contractor in there. Yeah. <laughs> he probably caused the yes. problem, right? And so you're not going to file these claims. So I'll bring it up. And, and the same thing with a landlord. If you want to be high touch or you have a property management company, I'm bringing mm-hmm. that deductible up. If you're 
a solo entrepreneur and you have five properties and you know you're it, it, i'm going to probably bring the deductible down because now I, now i could expose you to a lot of you know you could have a lot of problems but we have those conversations mm -hmm. it's not about you know should we switch from replacement cost to acv or should we bring the coverage down because it it's it's always going to end poorly let's put it that way because my job is to protect you and protect your building not to not to try to save you money now i have multiple markets so i'm always shopping it so to speak but my job is mm -hmm. not to save you money. My job is to protect you in the claim and have you be 100% reimbursed. Mm -hmm. that, that's my job. So. so in that idea of raising the deductible, basically what that does, when you raise that deductible there, you're saying that you would have you would be willing to pay more money out of pocket if there was an issue, and then therefore that would lower your monthly premium. Is that correct? That is correct. And, and the other way to look at it too, people have to understand the average person now, this is not this is not real estate mm -hmm. investors, just the average homeowner files one claim every 17 years. That's the national average. So wow. it doesn't like have Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> happen very often. And you're not going to file little claims because guess what I'm going to do? If you file, you know, you have a thousand dollar deductible and file a twelve hundred dollar claim, I'm going to raise your rates. I'm going to get my pound of flesh. And if you have a second claim mm -hmm. in that in a three-year time frame, I'm dropping you. That's how this works, right? It's okay. not like, so, so, so Michael, go ahead, I'm sorry. I was gonna say, so that to me, anybody that listens to this podcast or is in the Lady Landlords group knows that I do not like driving and that is not my thing. But it sounds kind of similar to car insurance, right? That if you get into that little fender bender, that sometimes you don't want to report it to your insurance because your claim's gonna go up. And if you, especially living in New York here, if you report every <laughs> single fender bender that you yeah. get into in a year, especially if you're a horrible driver like me, you're going to end up being kicked off of insurance policy, you know, within a year or two. So it sounds like what you're saying is that's very similar with, you know, you usually don't report those smaller things to your insurance because then your premiums are going to go up and then you kind of get like a little tick against your, against your account in the eyes of insurance. Is that right? That is 100% correct. And you also have to remember, okay. too, we, we use insurance scores, right? So uh, we're, we're tracking you, right? Even you might have multiple LLCs. <laughs> uh -oh. can, okay, so, so we, and mm -hmm. I don't see these numbers. It's not like a credit score that I can visually see. But, you know, I've had people come to my office who file a lot of little claims. And we know that. And we're going to mm -hmm. either not write you or charge you a fortune. And just because you switch from one LLC to another LLC, <laughs> there's always a commonality. And there's ways to track this. Um, so you mm -hmm. got to remember that. So what I try to do is say, let's just go to a $5,000 deductible on a fix on a fix and flip. And even a landlord can go that high. And, and then my question to mm -hmm. you is, okay, do you have the capital to put up 5,000 mm -hmm. bucks if a tree comes through the house or if you have a big fire, cause that's where you're going to file the claim. Um, and yeah. you know, you want to make sure you've got that and you know, it, it, it's very important that again that's where the video comes in and that's where the education comes in so you understand and the first thing i'm going to tell you if you call me back and say hey i you know my my roof's leaking or whatever whatever's going on i'm i'm going to say yeah. well it's first of all everyone's got to be safe that's all i care about get you know if you have a fire get everyone the heck out but you know roof, leaky roof well becky how old's the roof yeah there's this, there's this thing called maintenance these are not warranty policies <laughs> Right. So people love to right. file claims. And I'm like, well, first of all, get an estimate for the damages. Mm -hmm. Right. If you truly if you have a hurricane come through, 
you know, we have high windstorm and the shingles rip off and there's water coming in. Okay, let's first get a restoration company there, right, to stop mm-hmm. the damage. Then we'll get an estimate on the reconstructive costs and then we'll file a claim. Don't, you don't okay. have to file a claim. People think somehow think they're going to get in trouble if they don't call me within an hour. Um, we, we have the ability. So what I do for my clients is I want them to call me, right? You know, mm-hmm. it's, mo- I should say all the real estate investors have my cell phone. Okay. They, re- okay. But they, re- they respect it. They're not calling me Sunday morning asking why their rate went up $5, right? They're calling me because they're, they're, they just lost the roof. And what yeah, I, first, emergencies. first thing I'm going to do, I have restoration companies that I know, I know the owners. I'm going to say, okay, we got a mm-hmm. problem here. We have a pipe that broke on the third floor. I'm going to have a restoration company there in two hours. They're going to come do the restoration. Mm-hmm. Could cost a thousand bucks. We're still well below the claim here, but now I've now I've solved your yes. problem. That could be it. Right? It could be a little bit of drywall. We're good. It's three thousand dollars. Becky, you're going to pay that, and we're good. I just saved you probably a ten thousand dollar claim because I got a restoration company there before the water starts seeping into Sounds God fantastic. only God only knows what. Right? Um, but yeah. if it goes over the amount, then you and I talk. Like, hey, listen, this this is probably a good claim. There's a lot of damage. Let's mm-hmm. file it, and then we file it. And we go through the process, and you know we, we have that whole thing. And then there's this, and this is where it's important to have the right policy um, because in the landlord, there's mm-hmm. something called loss of rents. So if I have to kick your tenants out for eight weeks, I'm going to make you now. There's there's mm-hmm. there's there's waiting periods. There's other things, but in general, I'm going to make you cash flow neutral because I'm going to pay your rent. You lost rent for two months because of a claim. I'm going to pay you that. That's important yeah. for a landlord. So no, a hundred percent. That's, that's one of the first things Whenever I think there's like a problem with any of our properties that we're always kind of like, Oh my God, how is this now going to affect our rent? What is this going to do for our tenants? What's going to happen to, to really their home during that time. So that does get, that is something that is definitely going through our minds. Now, is that when you mentioned, you know, sending out a restoration company, kind of talking through what is the best like option, is that something that all insurance brokers do? Or is that something that Rob does? <laughs> is it, that something that we should expect kind of service wise? No. And, and here's why, because it, it, the process the insurance companies want us to do is you call me and say, hey, I've got water coming in my roof. Most agents will say, mm-hmm. call, the, call the company, file a claim. Well, here's the problem. You call me on, and this happened to one of my clients. So they called me on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. I had a restoration company there by 11. If that had been a normal process, mm-hmm. if he had called the insurance company, they would have gotten back to him on Monday. So now we have 48 hours of water pouring into his house. Um, yeah. They probably would have gotten a restoration company out there Tuesday. The adjuster would just shown up Thursday. Mm-hmm. That's unacceptable in my opinion. So I have made friends with That's some very- Exactly. And that's a typical, now, now wait for a hurricane to come through and now figure out how, you know, I mean, insurance companies get hundreds and thousands of claims when there's a storm, right? I mean, look at Texas when it froze. Exactly. Can you imagine? just going to say all the Texas. They're not going to see a claims adjuster for another couple of months. I mean, that's just the reality. It stinks. So what I try to do is preempt the situation yeah. and say, let me just get a friend of mine there. He, and they know they're going to get paid at some point. They're going to get paid by you or the insurance company and they're friends mm-hmm. of mine. So they know they're good. Um, but that's because the thing yes. about water and, and I mean, fire is a whole nother animal, but water's our typical claim is you want to stop the problem. Like mm-hmm. let's turn the, let's turn the, let's turn the water off. Let's start drying out the basement, for example, or drying it out. So now I don't have a huge claim. So guess what I just did for you? I mm-hmm. saved you knowing your deductible. I just saved you 
I, I saved a big part of the house by stopping the water. I stopped yeah, you from filing a claim that I'm going to crank up your rates all because we got some in there quickly mm -hmm. and, and they can, and most of these guys are, are construction guys. So they'll do the restoration and then bring in their mm -hmm. construction and give you an estimate. And then we talk and we go, okay, Becky, it's four grand. Your deductible's five. You know mm -hmm. that because I educated you. Um, and you're mm -hmm. just going to pay out of pocket. And I just probably saved you a $15,000, $20,000 claim if we let that water run for four days. Um, and I also don't want homeowners. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, most, most people who are landlords are, are above average from a typical homeowner, but I also don't want you going in there as a person trying to turn off water when there might be an electrical panel right next to it. I don't want you in there. I want an expert in there shutting the power down, turning the water off, do, doing everything and saying, okay, you guys can't live here. And let's, let's, again, it's about people's lives here. Let's get them out. We have a problem. Yeah. The, the circuit panel, I've, I've had a client had this happen. The water pipe broke right above the circuit panel. Thank you very much. Um, so the circuit panel soaked. That happened to me. Oh, it did? Oh, that geez. happened to me. Our first property, our first property, probably two weeks after we had closed on our first duplex. Oh, of course. That of was course. basically what happened. We had a leak coming through. And I remember my husband and I were both looking at the at the breaker panel and we're like, well, we you know, just seeing water just coming like completely out of it. And we were like, so do we call a plumber or an electrician? <laughs> like we just couldn't figure out and we weren't touching that thing. There was no, no. way I was going gonna gonna no. do that. But it's it's a very confusing situation. And that's that's very, very scary, I have to say. Well, it's terrifying because people are trying to save their house and you did the right thing. But I mean, the, the answer is you call a restoration company because they will come in mm -hmm. with experts and they, they have uh, you know, electricians, plumbers, all the trades that they can pull in in a heartbeat. So the restoration guy be sitting yeah. there going, OK, what do I do? He calls his buddy, the electrician, and they hit, they hit says hit the top circuit breaker. So we'll hit that. He'll probably hit it with yeah. a stick, like a non-conducting you know, conducting stick, like a piece <laughs> of wood to push it. So now he shut that, and now he's talking to him. Okay, now where's the water main? Okay, let's shut the water off. Okay, we've stopped the problem. Now what will happen is in a couple hours, mm -hmm. an electrician's going to come in and look at the panel and go, oh, boy, we got to replace this. You know, there's it, whatever. It's, 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 yes. it's gone. We've got to fix the pipe. We've got to. So now you've got a company that's there. That's what they do. I mean, these restoration companies, that's all mm -hmm. they do. They are, and they, they, you know, all their business comes from insurance. Right. So. No, that's, yeah, that's, that's good to know. That's a helpful tip of like kind of food to call. Now, for our last couple of minutes, I want to switch gears a little bit and start thinking about one of the most important things for me is always to give actionable tips on how to find the right team member, meaning how to find the right insurance broker in this sense. Now, one question I feel like we get often in the lady landlords group is people are looking for, they're purchasing a house, they're getting ready to buy it, and they need to find a person to be able to insure it. Is this something that they have to find somebody in their specific town, city, state? Can insurance brokers kind of cross areas? What is, like, how specific do people need to be when looking to find the right insurance broker for them? Um, I think what's most important for real estate investors is finding an insurance agent that actually understands what you're doing. That's the first thing. I mean, <laughs> I, I, for example, am licensed in New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Virginia. So I could mm -hmm. write this in Virginia. Now, if that person wants a personal touch, like they want want the agent to be close, then yeah, ge geography comes in. But I think with COVID, it accelerated us where we don't really need the personal touch. We could do what we're doing right now on Zoom. I've done well, this on Zoom. I think that's important. 
I think that's important that I, I feel like a lot of people don't know that that insurance brokers can be licensed in more than one area. So it's not like, okay, I am in, I'm in New York. I have to find somebody in New York. We do have the option of finding somebody that's in a different state. We just have to make sure that they are licensed in our state. Correct. That, that is correct. So, so insurance is, is your license by state and, you know, to get a license is very straightforward. Um, it, it's just a process. Like mm-hmm. I got asked by I got asked by a couple of realtors about Connecticut. I was not licensed in Connecticut until about two weeks ago. Now I'm licensed okay. in Connecticut, and I can write in Connecticut. And in certainly with habitational, with with the buildings we're insuring, there's not much of a difference mm-hmm. between states. Auto, there's a big difference, right? There's a learning curve for me if I do this. But with with I mean a rent a landlord policy in Connecticut is the same thing as a landlord policy in New York. There's very little differences. And uh, so it's really just a matter, I think, of of making you making sure you find someone you can trust. I mean, I have I have real estate investors mm-hmm. that literally text me an address. I have all the other information. Mm-hmm. They just text and say go. And about you know, depending on how busy yeah. I am, tw- twenty minutes later they have a quote back. I'll send them a quote, and they'll just review it. Mm-hmm. They know what I do. They know how I do it. They know my minimums, all that. And they're like. Okay, closing is in two weeks. Um, I'll send you, you know, I'll give you my credit card or whatever. Exactly. It, so that it, we have this, you know, someone buying a property and the transaction between me and them is literally probably a text and an email back and we're done. But that took two yeah. years of that person trusting me. You know, don't and being able do, to build that relationship and educating yeah. them and well, the, the relationship's exactly. important. Like I'm more concerned. Like if if you and I had just met and all of a sudden you're just like, you know, here's my address. I need this right now. And 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 I'd be I I, I slow those down because there's probably not a very good reason why you need this right now. Now if you're going to closing, you're getting caught. <laughs> you happen to get referred into me. That's mm-hmm. different. But if you call out of the blue on me and you're like, yeah, I'll take it. Something's wrong. Right. I don't know if I want to do this. So it's it, that relationship, I think, is important because as you grow, as you go from mm-hmm. four doors to eight doors, now you're in the commercial mm-hmm. world. That's a whole other animal. Now bring in mixed use. Now bring in commercial businesses in those buildings. It's a whole exactly. other animal. And I do all that, too. So you want to have someone that can as you grow and transition. I mean, no one starts with a 20 door apartment building. They start with one house, right? You just started with a duplex mm-hmm. and then you went bigger and then you're exactly. leveraging your money. So, and you want to find someone that can grow with you and grow with you as you go to different States. Um, because mm-hmm. you, what you don't want to do unless you have to is have multiple agents. There's no reason to diversify your risk unless you don't like your agent. That's Great. fair, but don't, because now I don't know your whole portfolio. Right. I don't know what everything else is. So I and I for me, that's important. Now, if you have a property in South Carolina and I can't write it. okay, but I would want to see those deck pages to make sure you're insured correctly. Might want to know the agent Mm -hmm. in South Carolina because maybe we can do business together. But I want to know everything Mm -hmm. you're doing so I can go, Okay, yes, you're properly protected. You need an umbrella here. That's a different LLC than this one is. And, you know, so I I personally like to know everything. I don't need to insure it all, but I like to know everything if I'm going to insure someone. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. The idea of just being completely comprehensive, making sure that you are upfront with your agent. I like the idea that really when when we as an investor call, we have to be very clear about what we're doing with that property. We can't yes. just call. I think that was probably one of the best nuggets is making sure that like when we call, not to just to say, hey, I'm buying a home, but I'm buying a property that I'm going to be flipping. I'm going to be buying a property that I'm going to be renting out. 
and be very clear about that. And then I think it is important, and we've talked about um, finding team members on our Lady Landlords podcast quite often. When you find somebody that really works for you, that you trust, that you have that relationship with, it makes sense to continue to use that person as you continue to grow your business. So it's very important to make sure to vet and find the right partners up front. So as your career as a real estate investor is growing, you make sure you have all those pieces already in place. You don't have to start off from scratch and you already have people that you trust and that you know. So Rob, thank you very much. This has been incredibly helpful walking us through what insurance policies we need to what types of coverage we need. I, that's incredibly value for our ladies. I'll make sure to put your contact information in the show notes. You can find that okay. there for our listeners on the podcast. And also you can find Rob's information on our website at lady-landlords.com, r-partners. So I'll also put that link down there, Rob, so that our members can reach out to you if they have any follow-up questions. So thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you so much, And do you have Becky. any last minute? You're welcome. Have a good rest of your day, Rob. You too, Becky. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please do me a favor and leave a five-star review for the Lady Landlords podcast. This helps make sure to share a message with others that can use the similar information. Thank you very much for helping grow our community. Remember, there's a new episode every single Tuesday, and I'll see you back in the Lady Landlords Facebook group. Thank you.